G'day, it's Sunday, I'm Scott Gibbons and this is On The Road. So if you're ready to be on the road, I'm ready to be on the road, let's get on the road together and we're going to learn all about caravans and motorhomes and maybe some camper trailers and tents and places to go and see. We're going to explore Australia together. This is going to be fun. If you're ready, fasten the seatbelt, we're on the road. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. You're on the road. We're on the road with you and it's fabulous being with you each Sunday. And I've got to say, thank you. A huge, huge thank you to you for your support, for listening, for getting other people to listen in as well, because the feedback we're getting is that you're really liking the show. And what I'm trying to bring you is a real fair income show, a show that you get real information out of, not just giggles and cackles and waffle. We're trying to give you something that is, is fair income. And, uh, and the important part is I go through as much information as I can to give you the information that you deserve. So uh, on Pat Cullen's 4x4 Adventures, he recently caught up with Sam Barnes. Sam runs the Birdsville Roadhouse. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just an, an iconic place anyway. So he runs that. And one of the things that happens to him, he's, a, he's as, as Pat says, he's a straight-talking country bloke who people go to when their four-wheel drive is stranded or busted or broken around Birdsville and the Simpson Desert. And the Birdsville Roadhouse runs the recovery service, which is roughly halfway into the Simpson Desert, while Mount Dare Roadhouse operates the western side. And Sam says he sees some, some absolute nutters in his line of work. He said people who are ill-prepared, who blame and complain. And as he says, don't blame me. I didn't build it, I didn't buy it, and I didn't bust it. So, <laughs> true words. He said people don't listen. We've been saying the same things to them for years and they don't listen. And the most common issues Sam sees are tyre failures. So due to overinflation, overinflation for rough conditions. That, that, so tyre failures and bent chassis, which is usually caused by airbags on overladen vehicles or towing over the dunes. So he says he likes to think uh, that people think that their four-wheel drive is going to handle anything because it's a four-wheel drive, it can do it. But for the uninitiated, just dump some air out of your tyres. So if you're, if you're going over rocky or dirt roads, drop some air out. As he said, there's no solid rule because it's dependent upon the weight of your rig. But if you're running, say, 40 PSI on the bitumen, then drop it to around about 28. That should be about right. And as far as your chassis goes, he says if you've got leaf springs on the back of your vehicle, they've got two locating points which are designed to share the load. Now, if you go and whack a big airbag right in the middle of the chassis and then you blow that up to something ridiculous like 40 PSI again, then now all of the weight can't shift. So you've shifted the load to one single point on the chassis that was never designed to take it. So the result, you've bent your chassis. You've bent your chassis... I don't think you've got a vehicle anymore. So that's a, that's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> now, here's another problem, so, but we're going we're gonna to solve this one for you. When you're going away, you often think, gee, I'm, I've got this big trip coming up, but how do I get my mail? How do I get all the letters sent to me? How will somebody know? And, and a lot of people give it to a family member, but, you know, they, they have a life too and they can forget to do things. So if you're going away... There's a few basics to do, and one of that is, yes, you could get a neighbour or a friend or a rello to do it, but that's unpaid, and if it's unpaid, then it's unknown. So the answer, according to uh, what's up down under, is to use Land Base Australia, L-A-N-D-B-A-S-E, Land Base Australia. It's a mail forwarding service. They've been doing it for over 21 years, so they're like your personal postie anywhere in the world. So you just contact Land Base Australia to set up your account. You put a mail forwarding arrangement in place with the post office to have your mail. So whatever post office you're currently using, you have your mail forwarded to Land Base Australia. And when you know you'll be in a certain place for a few days, then you just phone or SMS them or email them and tell them where you're going to be. And they'll have all of that mail shipped to you. So it's all there for you when you get to that place that you tell them you're going to be at. So they just forward all the mail that they've collected up to that point according to your instructions. So this can work not just if you're four-wheel driving or caravanning, but if you're a backpacker, you know, if you're a yachty or in your defence force or you're an expat or a musician or an entertainer or a nurse or a doctor or a teacher, anyone who's travelling, 
This is really good. So you go to Landbase, L-A-N-D-B-A-S-E, landbase.com.au, landbase.com.au. That might be good for you. That might be something that's, that's excellent. The other thing you consider doing is having your vehicle uh, polished up. Like, so this is your caravan. You're buying a new caravan. You want to have it looked after. There's a company called Vantec, V-A-N-T-E-C, and they do what they say is superior protection for your exterior. Now, I haven't seen their work. I haven't seen the work. I always try and give you stuff that I know about. However, uh, I thought I'd, I'd share this with you anyway. So it's exterior protection. It's for your paint. It looks after your paint. It locks in the original colour, preventing chalking and makes light work of cleaning off road grime and tree sap and bird droppings. And they say it's got a lifetime warranty. It's a one-off application. It's it's low maintenance. It's nanotechnology. And all you do is go to Vantech, V-A-N as in van, T-E-C, vantech.com.au. And, and that might be something really, really good. So if you're going to go travelling and you're going to do all of this stuff, then you've got to be aware of hitchhikers. If you see a hitchhiker, I don't think in Australia it's legal anymore, but nevertheless, Bobby and Laurie used to have a song called Hitchhiker. I think it was a beauty. It's one of those songs that when you hear it, it'll live with you for the next two or three days. It's just one of those, it's got that that melody that you will just hear it and hear it and hear it for the next two or three days. Bobby and Laurie Hitchhiker, you enjoy that. Hey, I'm Scott Gibbons, you're on the road again. Thank you. Thank you for the feedback because we love getting your feedback and your feedback is so positive. We're glad that you really like the show. So Bobby and Laurie, here we go. Hitchhiker, enjoy that. Just wave high It seems like life and the cars Both just passed me by Hitchhiker You know No special place to be going I just go whichever way the wind's blowing It's hot today I'd kind of like to be where it's snowing Well, I don't know Maybe I'll just stay here where the green grass is growing Hey, here comes another car Is he slowing down? Hitchhiker? Hitch. But the environment is something we've got to be aware of. And bush bashing and track care is what HEMA want to talk about. And that is, they say, stick to the four-wheel drive track. So literally going off-road and bush bashing is destructive. That's true. It's destructive to the vegetation and the habitats of the area that you're invading. So instead of bashing, just look after the stuff. Take the extra step to heal any damage caused by four-wheel drivers, by 
joining your local track care association, that's one of the things they're suggesting you do, and taking part in organised maintenance of tracks and surrounding areas. We all love to get out there and do it, but that's one of the things. Rubbish is one of the things they also talk about. Take your rubbish with you. Don't leave any rubbish. Jesus, I hate it when we go driving and some clowns left broken bottles and glass and tin cans. and It's just not sensible. It's not fair. It's not sensible. So there's an unspoken rule, and it should go without saying, which is why it's an unspoken rule, that whatever you take in, take out. So if you're taking anything in, like a tin can or a bottle or whatever, take it out with you, newspapers and whatever, so that the bush stays the bush. That's what Australia is famous for. So coming under the umbrella of rubbish, and again, this is what HEMA are talking about, is toileting. Now, that's it's an underestimated contributor to unbalancing our ecosystem, especially, especially surrounding campsites. So they're saying choose a spot at least, at least... 50 metres away from your camp, dig a deep hole, bury all your waste and making sure there's no toilet paper to, to float around. Very, very valid. So fires, bushfires, oh, aren't we going through fires at the moment? And thank you to all our volunteers, thank you to all our firefighters. They are just, every single one of them, an absolute hero. So bushfires are a major concern Australia-wide, whether it be environmental or for nature or for human, whatever it be, bad thing so a spark or a cigarette butt or whatever just don't don't do it if you're going bush don't smoke don't smoke and on total fire ban days no campfires no open flame barbecues are permitted and that's including your kettle or your weber style barbecues and your solid fuel camp ovens so no liquid or gas fires are permitted uh, built-in electric or gas barbecues can be used if a water supply is within 10 meters and the barbecue is clear of flammable material for three metres around it, and an adult is there. So then you've got national park etiquette. Now, the reality of national parks is that temporary closures temporary closures occur when tracks are being repaired due to the overuse or weather damage or access or whatever it be. So you've, you've got to learn to obey all the signage. No campfires unless otherwise stated. Camp only in the designated areas. Leave your dog or cat at home. Stick to the designated trails only. Leave your wildlife and your plants undisturbed and you pay all your relevant fees. So that's one of the things we've got to do. The other thing, the other thing is how to plan your trip. So what they're saying is, this is again HEMA, and HEMA are just, I love the information that they give. Yes, they're a map company, but they give so much information. So it's how to plan a one-month trip in one day. So if you want to get the ball rolling on your next epic trip, it says stop dreaming and just start packing and do it. So it says put a pin in it. So choose a destination or your trip for your journey, whichever you want to do. So most adventures are seated with a destination or a region in mind, but it's one of the most important steps you can take. And, and people who don't consider that, uh, then they're not going to get where they're going. So forget about the potential details of your trip and just pick out where you want to go and then from there you start filling in the dots from there so don't miss out on your musts so make a skeleton trip of your itinerary and then you can fill in the rest later create a basic list of the places and the experience that you don't want to miss so being able to plot those places visually like natural attractions unique experiences roads tracks towns on a printed map is preferable for high level planning and then the trips that cover those longer distances so you can you can work out where you want to go and then you've got to gear up of course if you're planning a month-long trip anywhere chances you're going to be experiencing some conditions that are just different to the ones to which you're familiar so look at the gear you've got have a look at what you've got at your disposal so that you can make sure that you're looking at where you're going and what you've got here and do you need to take it is it in good order so you've got to check your camping gear both your interior and your exterior vehicle accessories is everything working is your uhf working are your driving lights working is everything sorted have you had a service done on your vehicle and on your tow vehicle as well if you're towing something along with you and have you got all the things that you're going to need for your remote travel will you need a sat phone do you need a personal location beacon have you have you got your bog outs with you so all the things that you might need make sure that you've got them and then you've got to get your permits so many of Australia's most alluring 
uh, wild destinations that you want to go to are in protected areas, which means that visiting them, you might require a special permit. And this can range from a specific area to a single track you might want to drive. So you've got to do some really diligent internet searches so you can quickly put some light on where you're going and get those permits in place. Now, some of them take time to come through. So it's not as if you can just send an email now, and five minutes later it comes back. Sometimes there's time frames that, that you've got to allow for to get that information back to you. And then you've got to start the clock. So the gap between the dream and the trip it starts happening pretty quickly. So the longer you put off the plan, the more the more confusing it's going to get, the closer you get. So just do the pre-work first, and then you've got to grab your calendar, select your departure date, put some reasonable deadlines on the vital parts of your preparation, and then make it happen. And committing to that date, even tentatively, you know, if you're going to go on a cruise, the, the ship doesn't wait for you. It's going to go. If you're going to fly somewhere, that flight you've pre-booked, that's going to go. The same thing with the trip that you're doing. You've got to put in that same bit of rule, if you will, a rule to say, okay, we're going then and that's what's going to happen. So the calendar will make it accountable to you. That's that's terrific. That's going to happen. Then you're going to manage it and then you're going to do your pre-plan for your trip and then your motivation is just going to happen. So whether it's your first trip or your 10th trip or your 100th trip, it doesn't matter. You're going to be doing all the things that you want to do and I want you to have a great time. I want you to have a great time. So there's a song about planning uh, by John Williamson. It's called The Vasectomy Song, but it is about planning. I, I want you to listen to this. It's really, really funny. So it's called The Vasectomy Song. John Williamson, have a bit of fun. Hey, you're with Scott Gibbons. It's Sunday. Love being with you between one and two every Sunday. It is just terrific. And again, thank you for the feedback that we get. I know I mentioned that, but gee, your feedback is so good, it's so kind and so generous. We really, really appreciate it. I love the fact that you love the show. I love making it for you, but I love the fact that you love it too. So thanks for that. You enjoy John Williamson. And and also the feedback we're getting on the music we play. Thank you for that. (laughs) I do have a lot of fun picking it out. Okay, here we go. John Williamson, the vasectomy song. Have some fun. It's just the modern world we live in But why do they pick on me? Why just the other week My missus had the cheek To talk me into a vasectomy At first it never clicked That I was getting nicked I thought it was to test virility Then after I went through it Ten days we couldn't do it And then the doctor said to me I couldn't believe it, folks He said, please blow into this bag, please, sir To test your capability I beg your pardon We're cutting down on accidents I said, are you fair income? He said, please blow into this bag and we'll see Well, I couldn't believe it at first But you know what they say about doctor's orders, so he gave me the little bag and ushered me into the little room with all the pin-ups. Grubby little room it was too. And I came back with my little bag and the doctor was quite satisfied. And so was I. It's just the modern world we live in. There's newfangled things every day. The cop said I was speeding, according to his reading, but I was three kilometres away. I was feeling pretty mad when he took out his pad. I tried to stay as calm as I could be. He found a baldy tread, he saw my eyes were red, and then he said this strange thing to me. I said, what again? He said, please blow into this bag, please, sir. I said, hang on, to test your capability. What? We're cutting down on accidents. I said, you fair him. He said, please blow into this bag and we'll see. Well, this time I really was shaken up. The cop could see I was a bit excited. He said, well, you better take a good grip on yourself, son. So I went around behind a big gum tree. 
came back with my little bag. Well, you can imagine what happened. It's just a modern world we live in. I'm feeling very sad and pale. The judge said I was sick and threw me in the nick. The missus said she wouldn't pay the bail. So take it from a fool like me. Beware of quacks and boys in blue. I'm feeling pretty bruised, so don't you get confused. I'd catch a train if I was you. All together now, please blow into this bag, please, sir. It sends a shiver down the spine. Please blow into this bag, please, sir. If the women don't get you, it's the wine. <laughs> that was the vasectomy song. Isn't that just a hoof? I think it's so super clever. Anyway, without a hitch, they've been talking about what it's like to drive at night time and the five dangers of nighttime towing. And you've got to be aware of it. animals. And we always think of kangaroos when we're talking about animals, I guess. But kangaroos come out, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I tend to pull in around about four o'clock because I reckon four o'clock is roo time. And it gives me a longer happy hour than than most people get anyway. So animals are the thing you've got to be aware of. So the, the hours before sunset, as the heat goes out of the sun and the first couple of hours after dawn when the overnight dew promotes new growth and makes things tastier, are the worst time. So the roadside grass is then tastier and that's where the water runoff results in the greatest new growth. So in the middle of the night, that holds dangers as well. And in some country areas in winter, Cows like to sleep on the bitumen because that retains more warmth. So you've got to be aware. You've got to be aware. Perspective is the other thing to be aware of. At night, it's considerably more difficult for the human eye to judge distances. So the best advice is to err on the side of caution. Make sure there's not a dip in the road concealing another oncoming vehicle. We've all seen that happen and that's before you pull out to overtake. Make sure there's no other dips in the road. Give the vehicle you're about to pass plenty of warning with longer than usual cycle of your indicators before you pull out onto the wrong side of the road. And then be extra careful cutting back in because your eyes can trick you. It can also be hard to tell where an oncoming vehicle is, especially in a straight, flat road. So without a hitch, thank you to them. They're giving us these hints, and I, I really appreciate them. And then the third thing is fatigue. Now... There's fatigue, maintaining concentration is the biggest danger unless you're fit and trained in the art. Double World Rally champion Walter Rory, he reckons it was a key factor between, well, for him to win, sorry about that, but for him to win two world titles in the 1970s was when fitness and motorsport were relative strangers. He said that many of his rivals lost focus after three or four days of a five-day event and they crashed. Now, check the statistics for an amateur tarmac rally like the five-day Targa Tasmania. And I've done the Targa Tasmania. We, we actually won our class, thank you very much. So the Targa Tasmania, you'll see that most accidents occur on day four than any other. So if you're not a regular long-distance driver like a truckie, you know the truckies do their interstate runs, if you're not a regular then you've got to be really, really careful of fatigue. So defying your body clock, that can call on too much reserve, if you like. So make sure you have your little naps, pull in, have a cup of coffee, and, and look after things. Now, inexperienced towers, many drivers simply don't have the experience with having a large rig behind them. So there's enough horror stories going around about inexperienced drivers misjudging overtaking or braking or panicking, or when they get a bit of wind buffering from passing a B-double to support, uh, this reticence, you've got to be very, very careful. So you've got to get out there. Practice is the biggest thing. Practice. So get out there and practice and be aware and have somebody with you who is experienced so that they can give you some more knowledge. Caravanning involves lengthy trips. You're often over unfamiliar roads in strange weather conditions. With You can have 
Yeah, you can go over just the bridge at Gosford and have a huge gust of wind hit the side of your van. You've got to be aware of that. You've got to be aware. So the best time to get out there is do it when you when you can do it. Uh, you don't try and practice doing your driving down at midnight down the Bulleye Pass when it's pouring rain. You just don't try and do that. You try and get out there and practice when you're comfortable, it's good weather, good daylight, so that you can see what's going on around you, you can see your vehicle, and make sure you check that all your lights on your tow vehicle and on the vehicle you're towing are working properly. That's very, very good. Don't forget, Alco make an ESC, which is an electronic stability control. That's something to consider. A lot of bands are installing that as standard now, so talk to Alco about that. And of course, lack of stimulation is something. So without being able to observe the changing landscapes and the interesting details of towns that you're going through, it, it can make it easier for you to drift off. So you can listen to the radio, you can chat to your partner, but you've got to be aware that if you start to drift, then pull in, have a sleep. And if you've got a van behind you, then you can just pull in and have a bit of a doze anyway. But singing is out unless you've got a great voice, they reckon. <laughs> I reckon it's the best time to do your karaoke is to do it. Uh, audio books are excellent, you can do that. Hey, one of the things about uh, Australia is some of the Butte Australian products. And there's a company I found called Everything Australian. That's the name of them, Everything Australian. And they've got so many Butte, Butte brands. And you can buy from them if you want to get a Cooper or Blundstone or RM Williams or Rossi or Redback or Dryzerbone or Hard Yakka. They've been doing it for about 35 years. They're an authorised retailer on a lot of those brands. You can buy with confidence from them. You can go to their website, which is everythingaustralian.com.au. They give free insurance on all their orders. They give fast delivery, discounted postage prices, a genuine manufacturer's warranty. They'll ship worldwide, so if there's somebody you know overseas and you're thinking, hey, Santa Claus is coming to town, let's get them something Aussie, then you talk to everythingaustralian.com.au. They'll do the, the shipping. They'll do everything for you. You can shop with them with confidence. It's secure. You've got an easy returns process if you need it, and they say that their service is unmatchable, unmatchable. And you can ring them. They're in Victoria, 03 9553 But it's the easiest name in the world, Everything Australian dot com.au. But they've got everything. They've got clothing, they've got camping gear, they've got bags and backpacks and accessories and hats and boots and shoes and whatever you want. It's all there for you. So you have a bit of time. I think that's going to be going to be great. Hey, there's so much more coming on for you. We're going to find you something terrific. You stick around. We're going to get you a nice bit of music. You hang on there for a second.
G'day, it's Sunday, we're on the road, I'm Scott Gibbons and it's good to be on the road with you. Now, one of the things we've got to look at is how to look after our caravan. So if you've got one, Malcolm Street, he's, a, he's an author, he's been involved with towing caravans since the early 70s and, and he's now an, an author, if you will, and writes some various articles. One of the ones he wrote for Alco is all about minimising your travel damage. So he says a fact of life when travelling on Australian roads is that there is and there is a distinct possibility of road damage from rocks and stones and low-hanging trees and shop awnings, wildlife and quite a few other things that can cause damage. So the trick, he says, is to minimise that damage as much as possible. So generally speaking, the front of your caravan and your chassis are the areas most vulnerable to rocks and stones being thrown up from both your own vehicle and passing vehicles as well. Now, many caravan manufacturers, many... Now cope with this by either fitting something like an alloy checker plate across the lower waist area or else they fit a mesh stone guard on the drawbar and a stone guard on the front window. Both clever ideas. Now there's a few manufacturers who don't do that and what is suggested is you fit something like a ripstop PVC stone guard which covers the entire front wall of your van and that could turn out to be a really good investment. Now, normally they've got zipped apertures for the front boot or your window or whatever. Now, there are a few items on the drawbar of the caravan that are, and you've got to be aware of this, they, they are vulnerable to damage, and that's like your main pressure tap. You know, so some of your, your main pressure tap, that can easily be hit, and some of the gas fittings as well. Not so much your gas cylinders, because they're pretty well bulletproof, but you still try and protect them. But items like your water tap can easily be protected, if you wish, just by a folded piece of alloy checker plate if you don't already have that fitted. So if you don't have that, consider fitting that and protecting your gas point as well. So if you're contemplating a bit of dirt road travel, then particularly if you're just using an on-road van, then give some consideration to having a good look under your van. Items like your water tanks, your water piping, your drainage piping, your electrical cabling, they're particularly vulnerable. So generally speaking, most caravan manufacturers take some precautions with tank protection and strapping and piping cabling out of the way. However, it may be prudent, it may be prudent to check and take some appropriate action if a potential problem lurks. Now, it might be nothing more than a piece of alloy checker plate or strapping something up. But another potential item or problem, if you will, lies where cabling and conduit runs through the metal holes. Now, there's always a risk, always a risk of chafing. You know, most, so, in other words, that piece of metal will rub against the hole and so you can chafe and that's a problem. Now, most manufacturers fit grommets or something similar, some similar mechanical protection. However, as Malcolm says, he's seen instances where that hasn't been done. It might be best something that you, you fix first before you go on that big trip. Now then you've got corrosion issues. So generally speaking, most caravans these days are, are well set up for rust protection with galvanised chassis and the like. However, sustained exposure to coastal areas can lead, can lead, to a few problems. So the best advice here is an annual check, particularly around your suspension and wheel areas where there's often non-galvanised parts. So it's something that's an issue that appears after a few years, but unlike screws and bolts which can often corrode quickly and, and make removal difficult, some of those things can cause major problems. So slightly related to this issue is the corrosion of water heaters. So manufacturers get around this problem by fitting sacrificial anodes. Now these corrode on purpose, but they do have to be replaced from time to time. So check your water heater manufacturer's manual for details. Learn how you can do it yourself. Learn how to do it, or indeed, when you get a service done, get it done, get it changed. So something of a problem in the industry is sometimes water ingress and damage, and the issue being that often water or a water leak isn't detected immediately, and by the time you find it, then you've damaged some materials, and that might be your wall or your flooring. So manufacturers like to advertise that their van sealing is good, but like anything, sealants can break down, particularly, particularly under the hot Australian sun. So it pays to do a constant check. So not just in the obvious areas, but in the backs of your cupboards and the other awkward to get to places, because if you're going to have a problem, you can just about bet it's going to be in a place that's awkward to get to. Now, trees... 
Trees are a problem because being taller than the average tow vehicle, caravans are vulnerable to damage from tree branches and shop awnings and even lampposts in some cases. So, and, and as we mentioned last week, even petrol bouses, so be very careful. But for the most part, tree branches are usually a problem in caravan parks and camping areas. So a little bit of care, a little bit of care when you're backing around, have somebody help you, preferably an observer who knows what they're doing. Give them a, a handheld UHF so that they can call you through straight away. So that's that's important. So And be careful of your roof-mounted items, like your air conditioner and whatnot, because they add extra height. So And, and it's a good idea to measure, to absolutely measure the height of your van and the width of your van Put those on a sticker, stick them to the windscreen of your car so you know. So if, you, if you're driving into somewhere, you know how high your car is and you know how high your caravan is. Especially if you're going, not with your caravan, uh, but if you're going into one of the big malls and you've got a four-wheel drive and the suspension's raised a bit and you've got a, a roof rack on there and maybe you've got a couple of items in that roof rack, chances are you're going to have to park outside. So having the height of your vehicle... Uh, is going to save you a lot of trouble rather than trying to reverse back when there's a whole bunch of other cars that have already tried to follow you in. So building awnings are something to be careful of. Shop awnings are a big trap in towns with roads that have a steep camber towards the curb. So you can allow normal space, but if the camber on that curb is leaning, then of course your the on your angle of the roof of your caravan, you're going to get too close. It's going to lean over and nasty things are going to happen. So Again, very, very careful. Wildlife in many outback areas, there's little that can be done. I mean, my, I had one of the family members hit a, carib- a kangaroo only last week. So, you know, and there's three grand's worth of damage. So just be careful. So wildlife is one of those things. So minimise the risk. Don't, don't drive. I, I tend not to drive if I'm doing a trip after four o'clock. So I reckon four o'clock is when the kangaroos come out. So just be that little bit careful. <laughs> if you would, (laughs) and be around, of course, be aware of the traffic that's around you. So there's something for you. So be aware of all of those things. I'll be back with you in just a little while with some more. So there's uh, there's lots of things happening on the road at the moment, lots of things happening. You stay tuned, and I'll come back to you with a bit more in just a tick. There's an old Australian stockman lying, dying. And he gets himself up onto one elbow and he turns to his mates who are gathered round and he says, Watch me wallabies feed, mate. Watch me wallabies feed. They're a dangerous breed, mate. So watch me wallabies feed all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Keep me cockatoo cool, curl. Keep me cockatoo cool. Oh, don't go actin' the fool, curl. Just keep me cockatoo cool all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. And take me koala back, Jack. Take me koala back. He lives somewhere out on the track, Mac. So take me koala back all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Let me abos go loose, Lou. Let me abos go loose. They're of no further use, Lou. So let me abos go loose all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. And mind me platypus duck, Bill. Mind me platypus duck. Oh, don't let him go running amuck, Bill. Just mind me platypus duck all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Play your didgeridoo, blue. Play your didgeridoo. Oh, like, keep playing till I shoot through, blue. Play your didgeridoo. All together now, time me kangaroo down, sport. Time me kangaroo down. 
Tie me kangaroo down a spot Tie me kangaroo down Tan me hide when I'm dead Fred Tan me hide when I'm dead so we tanned his hide when he died, Clyde And that's it hanging on the shed all together now Time me kangaroo down, sport Time me kangaroo down Time me kangaroo down, sport Time me kangaroo down Oh, Rolf Harris, love his voice, love his act When he was, when he was performing in Australia at shows He just would command such a respect from the audience Maybe times have changed, but by golly, it was good then. Now, summer and spring, when the weather gets warmer, you've got to be doing some of the right things as far as you go. So sun protection is one of the most vital things that you can do at any time. I mean, it might be for summer, but really, any climate that you're going to, you've got to protect yourself from the sun. So it's an investment that you've got to have. So keep a spare tube if you're using a tube in your backpack. So when you go for a walk and you're seeing some of those pretty sights, make sure you've, you're looked after yourself. I keep another tube in the car, so I've always got it. So it's in the car, it's in my backpack, two separate things. So I never have to remember that it's already there. Hydration's another thing. Water is essential for survival. And you're bound to get thirsty. You're bound to. Because if you're doing a hike, or you're out on your bike, or you're just doing a bushwalk, whatever you're doing, you can get thirsty. So today you've got hikers and trekkers and mountaineers, and they all, or many of them, carry hydration packs connected to the backpack. Some call them camel packs and whatnot. And you just sip cool water through the straw whenever you want to. So you've got the bottle, or you can have your hydration pack. That's important. Showers and accessories, warm weather... Um, again, you've got to have a way to cool down. So hot water on demand is entirely possible because you've got lithium battery-powered portable shower systems now, so you can have temperature-controlled hot water. Uh, you can have the old-school solar showers if you wish. The New Daily did this report on all these things, and I, I think they're very, very good. So you can use your old-school solar shower. That's fine. But after a long day, uh, if, if you've got to hang your shower over the branch, just get ready to do it. And hey, if it's a cold shower, what the heck? That's that's one of the things that is still enjoyable because you've got to stay cool as well. And having an ice box or an esky or a, a plug-in portable fridge, and there's plenty of brands around now. By golly, there's plenty of brands. In fact, there's some uh, that you can tell. I think My Cool Man is one of them. Uh, you take it out of your car and it has a portable power pack that you just click onto it and so even while you're picnicking you've got your big fridge with you and your fridge is staying cool so sensational really really good now we told you a little while ago about big red jacks that they had been recalled and they've just copped a fine they've copped a $12,600 fine for what was deemed to be a breach of safety standards so the ACCC issued Hai Feng International, which trades as Big Red, uh, and I was reading about this in Mr. 4x4, so $12,600 they copped for that. Now, what happened was, the the jacks were supplied, everything was good, but the, the jack was not permanently or legibly marked with specific or specified instructions regarding its operation and its working load limit. And the overload protection function didn't operate in some instances until the weight placed on the jack reached, and this was for a four-ton jack, reached 8,450 kilograms. So its nominated capacity was 4,000, but it, it didn't click in its overload protection until it did more than double. So that's not what the ACCC wanted. They, they say if it's a four-ton jack, a 4,000-kilogram jack, then it should when a force is subjected to it within about 15% of its nominated capacity. So that is, if you've got a 4,000 kilogram jack, when it hits about 4,600, then it should then say, hey, I'm overloaded and, and give you a warning. So there you go. So they're, um, they're, they're, you've got to have a good jack though. But, you know, you can't just buy everything out of eBay. You've got to go and have a look at good jacks and good things to do. So what else have we got? Uh, 
Land Rover are bringing out their Discovery Sport, so that's fine. You're getting a stretched XL and double XL Amarok there on their way, but the payloads will be down. Uh, that's interesting. So you've got, uh, it's a bold move by Volkswagen. They're going to have an XL and an XXL Amarok, and they'll be sold down under in next year, 2020 sometime. So they're in the process of finalising the deal with an Adelaide engineering firm, Adaptive Automotive, to release the entire Amarok range, the four-cylinder and the V6 models with an XL or an XXL chassis extension. So the different extensions will be 310mm for the XL and 650mm for the double XL. And those extensions will be completed as part of the VW manufacturing process for the Amaroks and will be sold under factory warranty as original manufacturer. So the beauty of these stretched Amaroks, which is getting factory cover, means that a full five-year unlimited kilometre warranty. So the owners, you can have peace of mind with the extensions, and that says what's going to happen to the big American trucks because it's going to stretch out now like a big American truck but have the economy of a four or a six. So they're coming, and that's going to be good. So they expect that the pricing is going to be around about another $15,000 for the tubback ute, and the cab chassis will be cheaper, of course, but no pricing's exactly been released just yet. But that's going to get interesting, isn't it? That's going to be really good, really, really good. Now, there's a six-wheeler uh, also in talks with VW to undertake the stretch and a six-wheel conversion. So uh, that's a, a Toowoomba firm called Six Wheeler. So they're in talks, according to, again, Pat Callanan from Mr. 4x4. So that's interesting. That's really good. So you've got lots of things happening out there. Dust is one of the things you've got to be aware of because with the drought, with the drought, everything is dry and dust is coming into cars a lot more easier. The important thing is, is to use your factory air filters. Factory air filters. Try not to buy your air filters off eBay because the rubbers, the seals, are just as important as the as the filter component, the seal. Now, you know, I think I told you. I, well, I did tell you. <laughs> I've blown a couple of turbos, and that's from dust, but it's also gone into the engine. And again, that's from dust, because I'm out on the dirt quite often. So one of the things we go and do is the variety four-wheel drive adventure. The next one of those is in March, and I think there's only three places left. I think three places left for that. So let me just have a little look. I think it's three places, and... That's going to be a beauty. It's called the Variety Four-Wheel Drive Adventure. It goes from the 22nd, which is really the 21st. It says 22nd because that's when it starts, but there's a party the night before. So it's the 21st of March to the 27th of March, 2020. It's called the Breakwater the Beach, and you're going to head from Forster, uh, where we've just had a lot of fires. So by March, uh, you know, Green may have come back, but nevertheless, we're taking money into the country towns uh, not that Forster is necessarily a country town, but we are going to go off-road. So then we head to Old Bar. We'll end up in Port Macquarie for a night. We'll be in Kempsey for a night and then Bucket Heads for a night and finish up in Coffs Harbour. But that's where we sleep. During the day, we are off-road. We are getting dirty. It's going to be absolutely fun. I think this will be my 10th year doing one of these, and variety is just terrific. If you want to find out more, then you just give Stuart Telfer a call, Stuart Telfer, on 9819-1009, that's a Sydney number, 9819-1009. Or you can email, if you've got your pencil handy, write this down, motoringevents at varietynsw.org.au. Motoringevents at varietynsw.org.au. And I'm telling you, I think there's only three spots left, so if you've got a four-wheel drive, now it's going to cost you... Uh, you, you, you make about a $3,000 donation to the charity as part of it. So in total, it's going to cost you round figures, round figures about $6,500. But I'm telling you, everything is sorted. So you've got great accommodation. That includes it for two people. So you've got two people and your vehicle. Your accommodation's best in town. Whatever the, whatever the best they can get, that's what you're going to get. Uh, your meals are all included. Uh, entertainment's included. And the fun is included and I'm telling you the people you travel with are just great. I just I just love doing it with them. I love and as I said, I think this is about my tenth. So we're gonna have a little bit of music. Now what about we have a little bit of 
Thorpey, hey, a little bit of Thorpey, a little bit of poison ivy. What do you reckon? Hey, scratch something if we're going to do it. So a little bit of poison ivy. Here's Thorpey, and you enjoy. We'll be back with you in just a little while. She comes off like a rose, and everybody knows she'll get you in dodge. Well, you can look, but you better not. She's crazy She'll really do you win If you let her get under your skin Poison Like a hound The minute she starts to mess around Poison Billy Thorpe, Poison Ivy. Don't you just bop along? I love it. I think it's just a great, great, great song. Uh, radio antennas. You know when you've got your, your radio in the car, not the one you listen to, but your CB, your UHF. It's so important to know all about aerials and, and really you can learn so much because Australia is such a big place. So without a hitch, they've just done an article on radio antennas i thought i'd tell you all about it so one of the biggest things is because communication is so important you've got to be able to talk and find safety if you need to you've got to be able to talk to the car in front the car behind if you want somebody to overtake if you want to overtake if you want to see and and just chatting with people uh, that you know that can be a good thing to do you don't over talk because you don't want to block the channel but nevertheless so a mobile phone is good if you need to talk to somebody but with Australia being so big and the outback being so big, you don't necessarily have a reliable service. And that, that doesn't mean you've got to go bushed for that. You can just be sitting right here in the suburbs and you don't get good reception. So it's one of those funny, funny things. So uh, satellite phones are another thing that you can use. Uh, they are getting uh, easily or more readily available and they're a good thing to own. They are, to some people, expensive. Uh, to own and to operate to some other people they can just say no I need that for safety and so you just amortize it into your safety factor so have a look around for uh, a sat phone because there are some really good deals to be had so that's something to allow for 
But the thing is, is your UHF, which is your ultra-high frequency, that's your, your CB that you normally have in your car, and that uses a 27 megahertz band. It's relatively affordable. You can, you can get uh, built-in radios, as you probably know, and you can get handhelds, as you probably know. I use both because I've got the one in the vehicle, and when somebody's guiding me in, then I give them a handheld, and then we're fine. But you know, they're just great to contact somebody else talk to a passing truck, talk to a convoy, find out what's going on. If they're coming your way, then you can find out what's happening where they just came from. By the same token, you can tell them what's happening where you just came from. So UF radios are really good, but they are limited by distance. So usually, usually, it's line of sight or a bit longer. So if there's a UHF repeater, then that can be used. But just how far depends upon your radio unit, uh, if it's in a vehicle, if it's a fixed radio, do you have uh, the external aerial, what size aerial have you got, is the bigger aerial better than the shorter aerial, so sometimes you've got to look at some of these things, you can get a handheld unit, so a 5 watt handheld compared to a 2 watt unit is a major difference, so I'd always suggest you go for a 5 watt. Uh, there's quite a few UHF radio manufacturers around. You've got Uniden and GME and ICOM, uh, and you can buy them uh, from under $100. And now that's for a low end, and you can go up to $600 for a really good in-dash unit with a remote antenna. So UHF uh, usually uh, comes in, the aerials come in three ratings. There's a 9 uh, decibel, 9 dBi, a 7 dBi and a 2 dBi. Now, uh, the rating, the dBi, is also referred to as gain and it's the focus of the radio frequency energy. So you think of it as the higher the gain, the more focused the frequency energy pattern is broadcast. But it's not as simple as just thinking that the higher the gain uh, is better, so that each dBi that you got is better because it depends upon where you're travelling. So if you've got a high dBi, and you're travelling uh, with hills and buildings and trees and whatnot, then maybe it's not as good as having something with a low gain. A low gain is good uh, if, you, if you're around obstacles such as the bush and the cities and the hilly areas. So choosing the right aerial, quite often what a lot of people will do, if you've got an aerial that's 9 dBi, uh, then that's really good if you're in an outback area where it's more line of sight. So they still work in the bush, but they're not as effective as a low gain, so say a 3 dBi. So the compromise, a lot of people will go for something called a medium, and that's like a 5 to 7, 5 to 7 dBi antenna, and that's pretty good, and you can get them off the shelf. So there's something for you to consider. And of course, there's a, a variety of antennas, and they've got a mounting, so you've got to, where, where you mount it, is also important. So you can put on the vehicle roof, your bonnet area, your bumper, or your or or your or your bull bar. But it's important to talk to your radio person and get their advice. That's important. Now you can get HF radio. Now you've seen HF radios maybe as you've driven around. You they've got the great big aerial on the front. So unlike UHF, the HF is is really good over long distances like the bulk of the country and it can be used to connect into a telephone or a mobile network. Uh, the, the, our, the Royal Flying Doctor uses that so a lot of people just call them the Flying Doctor radio. So HF, which is the high frequency radio, it, it's old technology but to date apart from sat phones there's nothing like it for the distance of Australia but using a HF isn't as simple as using a UHF. So the UHF is our normal CB that we have in our four-wheel drives, but the HF, that's a bigger bit of gear. So you need to get a license to, to use one of those. You can get a club like VKS737, that's a club, or the Australian HF Touring Club. They're good places to start. Not difficult to get your license, not difficult, but worthwhile getting if you want to have the HF radio. But sat phones are taking over a lot of that market, so that would make it a lot easier and you're going to save a hell of a lot on fixed installation so that's going to make a difference so if you're going to go outback then you, we should go to the outback club with lee kernigan so the outback club 
Lee Koenigan, you enjoy this. This has got to be a great bit of music. You just bop along to it. You just, <laughs> I do. I do. When I'm driving along and I've got a really good song, I just buy little head bobs like one of those little dollies on a spring. So, hey, you enjoy this and, and karaoke your way to it. If you, if you know the words, you just karaoke your way to it. I think this is going to be a beauty. Outback Club, Lee Koenigan, you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening into On the Road. Hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, then listen in again next Sunday between one and two, and tell your friends to listen in. And the sponsors, you look after our sponsors because those sponsors are the ones that bring you the show. I'm Scott Gibbons. I'll see you next week between one and two. Eighty-nine point nine Hawkesbury Gold, the best in the West. Between one and two every Sunday. We'll see you next week on the road. Mm-hmm.